your bidet god man honestly that's a game changer that's one of the things i look forward to i guess from our guys trip just going to, <laughs> to take a dump in your uh, in your place there knowing that i'm gonna have like the cleanest ass afterwards i've told my wife i think we need to have one in every bathroom in the house they're amazing it's the h-dog pod with your host michael the hound dog harrison hey, hey welcome to episode 58 of the h-dog pod Normally, I would pick a classic player with the corresponding number, in this case, 58, for the episode. However, I feel it's only best to dedicate this pod to former Dallas Cowboy, CFL legend, Grey Cup winner, and TSN football host, Chris Schultz. It was a total gut punch to hear of his recent passing. He was such a gentle giant, gone way too soon at the age of 61. I worked with him for quite a few years at TSN, and I can't say we were close, but he was always the nicest, most generous, and loved man there, without question. We'd talk football whenever I'd work on his risky business segment where he made NFL picks. He always chose the toughest games to pick between, so it made it really, really difficult to be correct. The amount of preparation that Schultz displayed, it was impeccable. The pages and pages of notes, it, you'd never seen anything like it. It was amazing. It was definitely something to behold. He'd always give a high five to anybody and lit up the room with his booming voice and smile. He really was the greatest guy, and it was crushing hearing of his passing. Rest in peace, big guy. You'll be missed by everyone. A legend, Chris Schultz. There's no way to properly segue from that, so I won't even try. Let's get to my next guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, and now welcome on a good friend of mine, Peter Panay. He's a branch manager at TD Bank Bragg and part of the cast of cronies who usually visit me during a non-pandemic in Toronto for Raptors weekend. He's also a big sports fan, so we'll delve into all of that. Welcome to the H Dog Pod, Peter. Oh, thanks for having me, Mike. Happy <laughs> to be here. Oh, man, I'm excited to have you on, my friend. And uh, for, oh, first of all, I guess uh, how you been? Uh, long time no talk. You know what? Pandemic, uh, pandemic, Pete has been uh, has been pretty good. It's uh, you know it's been a good time for me to to, to kind of kick back and uh, spend a lot of time with uh, with family. So uh, so that's always been good. Um, you know, other than that. You know, let's be honest. I mean, the pandemic has really kind of thrown a wrench into things, but, you know, it's important to kind of be positive about things, too. So you can always look at, uh, you know, glass half empty or glass uh, glass half full, right? So do you find that uh, actually for the most part, like almost for the most part, there's a few exceptions, of course, but basically uh, I pretty much love it. It's like on the weekends, I don't feel this need to go out. Not that I always did anyway. But even more so, you save a bit of money, and it's like, you know what? If I'm going to play video games till 7 in the morning, I can play video games till 7 in the morning. It doesn't really matter now on the weekends. I love it. So, Handog, do you find that you are spending more money on Takeo right now because you can't go out, or, or what's going on with that? Actually, no. Uh, pretty much not at all because uh, I've um, been getting Honeybee Meals, uh, meal service here in Toronto for like the last five, six months. And uh, they're nice. really, really good meals, really ex- exceptionally healthy. And you put them in the microwave, they're done in two and a half minutes. So it's like, for the most part, I haven't been doing that. Occasionally, I will slip into the, uh, oh, McDonald's is open 24-7. Let's go to the, go there. You know, that's, that's always a killer. But usually speaking, no, not much takeout, actually. Right on, man. Honestly, it's, uh, I don't know. We've been trying a lot of new recipes, my wife and I. Uh, usually, we try to go to a restaurant at least uh, once a month uh, on a date night. And, uh, you know, we'll try to take take over from uh, from some of our favorite places but uh for the most part it's just been a lot of uh family cooking meals and uh lots of uh, movie nights so 
honestly, like I, I can't really complain. I, I kind of missed it. And uh, kind of like the pandemic's kind of brought me back to, uh, to to reality a little bit of what matters. So I'm OK with that. And you've been uh, I've obviously we've uh, I've noticed uh, you're doing pretty well with uh, I've been trying to do this as well the last few months, uh, shedding some LBs during this pandemic, right? Like you're, you're crushing it with that. You know what? So I'm down 45 pounds. Damn, that's um, awesome, man. Congrats. That's great. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. So really what happened for me was uh, back in April, I had contracted uh, COVID. And, um, you know, three days into me kind of catching it, I had a good friend of mine who passed away. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, so I guess when that had happened, um, it kind of put things into perspective for me. So get healthy. And uh, obviously, number one was get healthy and, and, and beat the virus and, and feel better. And number two, what am I going to do to kind of better my life afterwards? And so it started with, you know, swimming every day in my mother-in-law's pool, um, you know, eating a lot of uh, fresh vegetables, fruit, uh, meat. And, uh, you know, before I know it, I kind of started noticing that, you know, my clothes were feeling a lot more loose and fitting a lot better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, started looking at pictures of myself and saying, holy smokes, like I can't believe I've kind of lost all this weight. So um, the problem with weight loss slow, Mike, is, Sometimes you get a little too comfortable and mm -hmm. uh, you're like, mm -hmm. ah, you know what? I can maybe have three or four slices of pizza mm -hmm. here and there and I'll be fine. And one day will turn into five days. And before yep. you know it, you're two weeks in and you're eating like crap again. So that's 100%. it, man. So just try my best. Well, no, obviously, uh, so sorry for your loss. Uh, that's that's awful. Uh, I can't even imagine how obviously how brutal that would be. But no, good for you for, Thanks, for turning you know the pandemic and all this into a positive because, yeah, no. I've actually, like I said, I've been having these honeybee meals for a while, but I would always do the same thing as you, like in terms of, you know, I would go so well for a few months or whatever and eating really good lunches for work and all this stuff. And then the second I noticed it was good and I'm like, okay, I'm actually looking better now. The scale is a little bit lower than usual would be exactly when I would slip. And then it would be like another two months, like you said, or, you know, whatever, a month, two months, whatever it was of just being really, really bad. And just, you know, basically rinse, uh, lather, repeat type of cycle, unfortunately. So Mike, from a, from a, uh, from a fellow big and tall guy here, like myself and, and you obviously, but let me ask you this. Okay. Would you almost prefer that people never asked you or told you rather that, you know, you're looking good or whatever. Would you mother like just blindly? Cause you kind of, kind of get comfortable, I guess, with people saying, Oh my God, you've lost so much weight. You look great. And you're like, yeah, you know what? Frig, I, I look amazing. Mm -hmm. eh, I'll treat myself. So would you almost rather people not saying anything at all? And you know, just kind of go along your life or what? That's a really good question because, yeah, you're right. Like, I think, well, I have been doing really well here, like I said, last few months, and I've been shedding some weight as well, but no one's really said anything. And it's like, part of me is like, oh, I wish they would say something. That'd be kind of cool, right? But the other hand, like yeah. you said, the other hand, it's like, I'm glad they, glad they haven't because then, as you mentioned, you'll sort of get a little bit complacent. So I think I would rather them not say anything for the longest time and then hopefully eventually. But but I also I also feel it's sometimes... If I want to compliment someone, if say I've noticed that, that of them as well, I'm always like, okay, should I say something or should I not? Like I want to, because obviously it's a good thing, but it's like, a, there's always that internal struggle I find where it's like, should I say something or should I not? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Well, exactly. Because like, you don't even know, like, are they sick? Like, should I even say something? Like yeah. what's going on? So you're like, eh, I'll kind of keep my mouth quiet until they kind of bring it up themselves. So a hundred percent. No, totally true. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny. But no, I think uh, final answer, Regis Philbin, uh, RIP, would be, uh, yeah, I would think, I would want people to not say anything for the longest time, and then hopefully then they do, because, uh, yeah, it's so easy to get complacent. But hopefully, we'll power through this, and, uh, you know, we'll be uh, better off for that uh, in the end. For yeah, sure. you bet, man. You yeah. bet. Yeah. 
So uh, I said, obviously, off the top, you're being a sports. Let's uh, delve into some uh, some spurts talk. Uh, obviously, huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, you were that, of course. Uh, Dak Prescott signed to a monster deal, four-year, $160 million. Curious to know your thoughts. Do you like it or do you absolutely hate it? Oh, my God. I think it's absolutely trash, Mike. Um, <laughs> I disagree. You and I have uh, debated this for a very long time, but, I mean – how can you justify paying someone $160 million over four years when they haven't proven themselves? I mean, you can't command Mahomes money, who's won a Super Bowl, who's been to two Super Bowls, when you're two and five in the playoffs. So I, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't justify it. I'd rather almost take a chance on a rookie. But and here's, uh, here's the problem for Jerry Jones, though. He's, he's quite, how old is he? Like 78, 79, somewhere around that. He's probably thinking, uh, my, yeah, my God, like, you know, who knows how, how long his health will be okay, but he's probably thinking, I need to win absolutely right now. I don't have the luxury of maybe waiting four years because half the time the quarterbacks you draft end up being total busts anyway. Like, Dak Prescott isn't obviously incredible, but he's a top 10 quarterback. Would you not think, uh, would you not say that? Uh, see, like, again, that's tough. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Top 10 quarterback, yes, but my quarterbacks are only as good as their offensive line. I mean, you know, if Rex Grossman can make it to the you know, the Super Bowl, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, his his offensive line was arguably one of the best in, in, in modern football. And, you know, Dak Prescott, I don't know, like, I mean, put him in front of, like, an offensive line, like, Seattle. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, put him in, put him on a really good offensive line there, Mike. Not Seattle's, but put him on a good offensive line, and yeah. you'll see him do wonder. I mean, I almost would have preferred that the Cowboys would have gotten rid of Dak or signed and trade, maybe. But like, it's so hard to find a quarterback where you're absolutely like, maybe you're not absolutely certain he's amazing, but you know he's a really, really good quarterback anyway, provided he comes back from injury. But it's just so, so hard to, to you know, you remember the Dallas Cowboys years when they got rid of Aikman and then for like 10 years they had a Quincy Carter and Drew Henson and all these, you know, no, slappies coming awful, in there. Awful years. So yep. it's like when you have a pretty good quarterback, I, it's like it's tough to know. It, it's, it is difficult when you have a quarterback that's just good enough to keep. Convince you that he could do something, but not bad enough to get rid of. It's really tough. So then, Mike, you're a, obviously a diehard Seahawks fan, but wouldn't you rather... Uh, let me ask you this. This is a serious question here. Okay. Seahawks getting Prescott, mm-hmm. and we get Wilson. How would you feel about that? Just straight up? Straight up. I don't know if I'd like it straight up, only because Wilson has proven... Like uh, you know, he's a, you know, like, like you said, he's been to a couple Super Bowls with Wilson as well. And Prescott hasn't, but Prescott is younger. Uh, I would definitely want picks, only because Seattle has like four draft picks in the upcoming draft. So in that sense, if it was just straight up, I probably wouldn't like it because I would want the picks. Uh, but uh, take the picks out of the equation, I, I wouldn't hate it. I really honestly wouldn't. But yeah, okay, I guess Russell Wilson, I'd still rather have him. But then you just said it yourself, though. So you're saying there that you'd take a chance on picks, but then you could also have those bad bus quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Quincy Carter years and everything else. You'd almost risk that for the chance of having a pretty good quarterback, though, on the off chance that you're going to get the diamond in the rough. Yeah, I'm I would all... almost want to take that chance there myself as a Cowboys fan over paying someone 160 million over four years. I, I just saw an article about basically how this, the the contract isn't actually that crippling, and Dallas already like uh, they they brought like 18 million dollars, uh, you know, they gained 18 million dollars, sorry, in cap space by uh, working some contracts with some other guys and. It, it, you know, no contracts ever fully guaranteed in the NFL. They could, I think, I believe Patrick Mahomes a couple of days ago restructured his deal, which is kind of funny because he already got one like just like last year 
to like save uh, the Chiefs like twenty million dollars in cap space or whatever. So you know, it, it's it's one hundred sixty million. But it's not really one hundred sixty million. They could always work around that teams. So uh, it, it uh, to me, it's like you got a pretty darn good quarterback. Yes, I know he's not amazing, but. Man, there are so many Blake Bortles out there and, you know, uh, Jake Lockers and Christian Ponders and so many first-round quarterbacks that, uh, you know, Johnny Menzel, Paxton Lynch. There's so many quarterbacks out there that are just, yeah, that uh, I would think you got to stick with the devil you know. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is that, again, if your offensive like line protects you and you have all that time to throw, I mean, you can make Blake Bortles look like he's Peyton Manning. Well, too far, too far, too far. Yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> a little bit there, yeah. <laughs> but why don't? Okay, here's a player that uh, I think Dallas should actually cut or trade or something. Uh, I know they gave up. I think it was a first rounder, maybe other picks for Amari Cooper. I think he's making like twenty million dollars, and he's a good receiver. Don't get me wrong, but you have some really good receivers in Dallas. It's like, isn't that a position where you have a position of strength? So maybe get rid of him. Like that seems like the money to me anyway. That's most irresponsible for Dallas. So again, though, I mean, okay, so we have CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. An incredible rookie and coming into a second year now. So why would we pay someone, you know, this astronomical sum for an aging wide receiver who, again, he's skillful, but you can find, again, like 10 wide receivers in next year's draft that would just do his wallet. And I and I really believe that. And you, uh, you absolutely could, especially his last uh, wide receiver draft class. But like, for example, the Seahawks trade up a couple of years ago to get DK Metcalf, the last pick of the second round. And they've had a checkered history with drafting receivers. Uh, about I would say less than 50 percent of the time they're good. The Eagles drafted that same year JJ Arthetta White Whiteside, and he's absolutely trash ahead of Metcalf. And it's like it's just again, it's just like a thing where you might get a good one or you might get a crappy one. It's just it. Ugh. But at the same time, for twenty million dollars for a receiver who's been pretty good, more than pretty good, I guess. Uh, I feel like a receiver, sorry, a quarterback is always the most important position, of course. So. I would almost rather get rid of um, Amari Cooper over uh, Prescott. Mike, but that's uh, that's Jerry Jones mentality there. That's, uh, you know, overpaying for, uh, for I, I think it's panic paying is the, what it is. The flash player, I guess. It, it is. I mean, again, we've overpaid for Ezekiel Elliott. We're overpaying for Dak. We've overpaid on Amari. I mean, at this point, trash the team. And uh, I mean, we already are trash right now trash us and uh hope for the best with some nice draft picks that's what i would have done truly i would have yeah i guess uh i've always said like i love jerry jones he's very entertaining but probably jerry jones uh is the one that meddles too much and thinks that he was the you know architect of uh, not that he did nothing of course but uh, of the three cowboys uh, championships in the 90s uh, might have been because jimmy johnson was a pretty good coach so it's like <laughs> clearly haven't done anything pretty much anything in the last 25 years for the most part so it's like maybe Jerry Jones should fire Jerry Jones. Maybe uh, that would be something uh, that uh, Dallas Oh, my God, do. I would love that. The day that Jerry Jones kind of leaves that franchise or, or at least kind of uh, relinquishes his role a little bit, I think uh, I think we're going to be in good hands after that. So Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a tough. I, I understand. Like I, I totally see both sides of it, but I really think that it's just so hard. You can't win. Like I, I've had this debate with our, our good buddy Spiros and other Cowboys fans and other fans of other teams. Like You can't win a Super Bowl with, for example, Andy Dalton last year. Like he's a he's a very fine, uh, you know, serviceable quarterback, but in those crunch time moments, do you really think Andy Dalton, who's never won a playoff game, is actually going to get you over the hump? Probably not. So that's when you have to have that quarterback. And yes, you're right, Dak Prescott. Prescott hasn't done it yet, but I do, I do think he definitely could. So Andy Dalton again, another guy that we overpaid one year, seven million dollar contract, 
we could have had Cam Newton on a $1 million contract for one year. And again, we didn't make the playoffs. So again, that would have been money saved. So I, I actually, Jerry, I actually would prefer, I'd prefer Dan, um, Dalton over Cam Newton. And I but Cam Newton probably oh. wanted to start, right? Because uh, that, that was probably the reason why he didn't go to Dallas because he wanted to be the absolute, you know, basically undisputed starter. Cam Newton, uh, he just re-signed a couple days ago with uh, the Patriots. And it's like, uh, his, uh, he's still got the legs, but his arm is absolutely noodle by now. So it's, ugh. You know, it's it's amazing how quickly in the NFL, good or bad, uh, things fall off the rails so quickly in that league. Very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. By the way, are your uh, uh, are your kids uh, Cowboys fans, or do they hate them? Because I, I would imagine if uh, I, I have a, quite a few nephews and nieces, and uh, some of them like the Seahawks and the Leafs and Jays, which is cool. Uh, I can't even imagine if uh, if I had kids and they absolutely hated my team just to bug me. Oh my god, it would work so easily, and I would be so rattled. So my my oldest son is in the stage there of of whoever dad likes I like and you know I'm going to stick with that team. So cool. he is a Cowboys fan, but he kind of said something to me the other day where he he saw my Cowboys jersey in my closet and he was like, "Dad, he's like, you know, I think you need a new jersey." And I was like, "I think I do too." And then he was like, "But you got to choose another team because uh, Dad, we suck. We're not <laughs> oh, a very good team." And, no. And, and I was like, well, what are we going to do about it? And he was like, well, he's like, we're going to stick with our team. And I'm like, buddy, I'm like, this is going to be a long, 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 long life of disappointment here. So, uh, you know what, uh, I'll let you choose your team there in a few years, but if you want to be a Cowboys fan out of choice and not what dad likes, go ahead. But, uh, <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. Does he have any uh, particular team that he's, uh, p- uh, favoring right now or? He is a Patrick Mahomes fan. So he, mm. uh, I, I think he likes the flash of the Jersey for sure. And uh, he also likes the uh, the Chargers jerseys as well too, which again that's a franchise that I uh, I don't know I, I love I, I wish they kind of went back to San Diego to be honest with you and I know that there was talk with that but um, I wouldn't be disappointed with either team to be honest with you as long as he's not an Eagles fan I'm okay with that. <laughs> the Chargers are such a fun team, but every single year doesn't matter who the coach is or who the quarterback is. I love I loved uh, Phil Rivers in. in uh, uh, when he was with the Chargers, it's amazing how many years they, they the Chargers lose like three or four games a year. Where you're like, how in the living hell did you lose that game? It's ridiculous. <laughs> They'll find a way, won't they? Oh man! Again, and, and before the Cowboys got, or sorry, before the Bills got pretty good here the last couple of years, they would win two games a year. Where you're like, there's no way they should have won that game. That's incredible. And then they lose two games a year. Where you're like, oh my god, what the hell? They lost like a two win team. So it's just so funny how. It's, certain franchises just can't seem to get out of their own uh, out of their own way with stuff because the Chargers, nope, they really can't. God damn. Well, going from uh, one average franchise, good segue, bang, uh, to another one. <laughs> uh, you're a big Habs fan, which is trash. Um, oh. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the new coach Dominique uh, Ducharme? Uh, were you happy that Claude Julien got fired? I mean, Mike, that's a really tough question. Uh, that's a tough um, I don't know what you know. They, they listen. Like, I don't know why the Habs seem to kind of recycle their their coaches. They fire them. They'll rehire them back in. I mean, honestly, at, at that rate, I was kind of waiting for. Uh, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, this is the suspense. I'm excited. It, he coached the no. What's his name? He coached the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins there. Coach the Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, Michelle Terrian. Yeah, I, I honestly expected him to come back at this point, but. Mm. Uh, you know, what are we going to do about that? Um, in terms of our franchise, um, that's another team that kind of finds ways to lose, especially in overtime. So, yeah, they I lost mean, a bunch of games we, in overtime this year. 
We have, but I mean, again, that's a team that I think kind of uh, pulled the trigger a little too quickly. I mean, you know, maybe what did we lose three or four in a row there? And then all of a sudden we want to fire our coach, but you know, I don't think that's the way it's going to happen. It, it can happen like that. I mean, Montreal, and I say this every year, we are probably one of the most skilled teams out there and we're fast. We just need a few big defensemen and we're getting there. But, you know, I think we'll be probably a, a championship winning team over the next five years. And I believe that. Well, you know what? Uh, the, the GM who, uh, Mark Bergerman, of course, who's the most sharpest dressed man, maybe in sports, uh, in terms of management <laughs> anyway. I love the fact that he's there uh, because obviously many people, and I would agree as well, say he had a really good off season with the trades and everything that he did bringing in Josh Anderson. And uh, what else did he do? Uh, he made, made a couple of Toffoli. Toffoli, uh, Jake Allen. Uh, I love the fact that like the Canadians, I always compare the Canadians now where they're a slightly better version of this, but Toronto in like the uh, mid two thousands or maybe, sl- maybe around 2008, 2009, Toronto would always be just good enough to almost make the playoffs, but, but just bad enough to miss the playoffs at like ninth over uh, in the East or something. So they would just they would just give you enough to think that maybe you have a good chance, but then they would falter, so they didn't really have the good chance. So I love it with Mark Bergevin. I want him to stay there for a long, long time because he's obviously not horrible. And I'm not saying he's a terrible GM, but it just seems like Montreal every year, the last few years, is perpetually it's sort of somewhat in the in the middle, maybe slightly above that. And now, now the, the Carey Price contract seems like an albatross. Uh, that seems really bad. It does. And what is he? I think he's eight, four and four now as a goalie. Um, you know, I think it's all confidence for him right now. And I think he's going to bounce back, but would I be disappointed in us maybe trying to, you know, again, get some picks maybe for him or, you know, again, signing maybe another goalie and maybe getting another few defensemen or some picks there for him. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I, I love Carey Price. I have three of his jerseys. Um, he's one of my favorite goalies from the uh, from the entire Habs franchise. But again, um, it, it's tough. It, it, it's tough. I mean, it can't even be easy playing in Montreal either. That media is, I, I think, it's probably worse than the Toronto media. To be honest, they'll eat you up and you know love you when they when when you're on fire. But I think when you're on a, a slump, they will absolutely torch you alive. And you know, poor guy is probably going through that, and it can't be easy to play through. So. Well, obviously, Carey Price is a for his sport. He's a better version of what he does for the Canadians than that. For example, Dak Prescott does for Dallas. But like <laughs> to, to trade Carey Price for picks, like so many draft picks have just been absolutely. You know, so obviously you could have amazing picks, but then some of them are just like, well, you had one in Montreal, Alex Galchenyuk. I think he was third overall a few years ago. I think maybe twenty fourteen or somewhere around then. Hasn't panned out. Been traded a bunch of times now. It's like you might get some awesome guy, but you might get absolutely nothing. Like. Almost always, when there's superstars traded, and you know there's a bounty of picks and players and so on and so forth. Like for example, when the the Oilers traded Wayne Gretzky, the, the goat, to the Kings, then the, the guys they got back were like uh, not not that great, nor even close to the level of Gretzky. So to to trade Price, oof, that would be really risky. It'd be risky, but imagine that panned off. Though I mean, you'd seem like the biggest hero of all time, but. But especially I mean, with a GM really... though, who has who's shown that he hasn't exactly been perfect with all his deals in the past, so it's like, do you want him to be the one to pull the trigger? See, I mean, again, I was the first person to call him out. I, you know, I, I almost became a Sens fan actually when he uh, when he traded Price for or uh, PK rather for uh, Weber. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you kidding me? Like this is ridiculous. But 
turned out was you good. You know, now I'm comparing. Yeah, it turned out to be amazing. So, in my mind, I'm like, take another chance. Let's see what can happen. That's what I mean. Like he just he does just enough to convince you that he's a really good GM, which I love. So keep him there for a long time. Uh, talking about goalies that were uh, traded from the Habs or whatever, and Carey Price potentially being moved. Another amazing segue. Uh, I'm on fire tonight. Uh, <laughs> a, a, the coach, the next coach of the Montreal Canadiens, who, who I've been wanting for a while. Um, I'm not kind of surprised to be honest with you. It hasn't happened. He was, in my opinion, so entertaining. And I think he was, I want to say three years in the NHL as a head coach, coached the Quebec Rampire a lot for many years. Uh, his first game with Colorado, he got into a fight with Bruce Boudreaux, which was amazing. How good would it be <laughs> if the Montreal Canadiens next head coach is Patrick Waugh? Ooh. I don't want him to tarnish his name as a, as a coach for that franchise. I mean, again, He's regarded as the best goalie of all time for that franchise and probably arguably one of the best ever to, to play the game. So, I mean, I don't want it to have another unfortunate event where, you know, when Wayne Gretzky coached the uh, the Coyotes there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, imagine Wog all of a sudden goes and, and coaches the Habs and, you know, we become the worst of the worst truly. You know, he's ruined his name. And I think right now in, in you know, Quebec lore, I think he's held in, in the highest regard right now. So I almost don't want him to ruin his name. But again, do we take the chance? Maybe, but why not hire a guy like uh, Gerard Gallant, mm-hmm. who's proven himself, and I think he is French speaking. So yeah, you know, he fits he he fits the media there. He's proven himself as a fantastic coach. Hire the guy and and you know hope for the best. The guy's the guy can do it. I think that he'd be incredible for it. So you know why not? Well, I think it would be a good uh, coach to bring in. For some reason, he's gotten fired in, I think, three play- uh, Columbus, uh, Vegas, and um, uh, Florida. For some reason, I don't understand why, especially with Vegas, it was a really head-scratcher when he got fired. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, he would definitely seem, he seems to be a really good coach. But, yeah, I would have to wonder as to why uh, owners uh, decided that he's not the guy. But speaking of, yeah, trades not necessarily working out. Yeah, when they traded Waugh, it was him and Mike Keene to Colorado. For Andre Kovalenko, Martin Ruchinski, and Jocelyn Thibault. So it's like when you trade your superstar, yes, in theory, you might get the great players back, but almost never does it actually work out. So, man, that would be that would be a tough one to pull the trigger on. It would be. It would be. But at what point do you have to say that it's worth a risk, right? Well, you know what? I just hope Mark Bergman is the one to do it because he has definitely shown some uh, good <laughs> trades, but he's also shown some uh, eh, and they're, and they're sort of middle of the road. So we'll find no out doubt. about that. No doubt. Uh, let's move uh, to some basketball here. Uh, I never quite understood this one. I would love to. I don't actually know the full story on this. So, you obviously like the Toronto Raptors, which is pretty common, yep. obviously. But you're more of a Golden State Warriors fan. Uh, how the hell did that become a, to be? Because I think it was before they were actually a legitimately good team, right? Oh man, I've I've loved them since uh, 1990. So my brother and I used to play NBA jams as oh, uh, as game. kids. Incredible game, and he would always choose. You know, he'd be like the Bulls or he'd sometimes be like the Magic, Lakers, and he'd always make me be the Warriors and the, the smallest team ever. I'd, I'd have to be like Chris Mullen and uh, it was Hardaway there, I think, that were on my team. And he'd smoke me every single game. And it got to the point there where um, I just started rooting for them in real life. I mean, obviously, I love the Bulls growing up because of Michael Jordan and everything. But the Warriors were always kind of like my my you know back pocket team. And Eventually, I was like, yeah, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to go buy a Jason Richardson jersey. And then I ended up buying like a Baron Davis jersey. And then before I know it, the We Believe era happened where we were the eighth seed and we ended up beating the uh, Dallas Mavericks and uh, yeah. they were the first uh, seed. So I was like, 
you know what, this team I think is going to be heading into the right direction. And, uh, man, honestly, it's, uh, I'm, I'm riding this high still. And, uh, I, I never thought the day that the Warriors were ever going to win a championship, let alone three. So, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, no, uh, not quite to the same level because obviously the Warriors were far more of a dynasty than the Seahawks, clearly. But uh, I picked the Seahawks uh, late '90s because no one else liked them. They're a very average team. They're like eight and eight or seven and nine every every single year. They're you know perpetually sort of like we talk about the the Cowboys now in sort of in terms of right in the middle of the road. Like John Kitna was their quarterback. They used to, wouldn't they couldn't <laughs> figure out a way to get over that hump because they didn't have a franchise QB. And I picked them just because no one else liked them. Turned out pretty good because they've they've uh, you know they haven't uh, won a bunch. They've only won the one Super Bowl, but more often than not, I have to be pretty pretty damn happy that I selected them as a as my team years ago. I mean, you should be honestly. Plus, their uh, their jerseys are pretty sick too, so it's not too bad to uh, to like a team that has a pretty good logo too, right? So I want um, so badly to them to go to the back to the old school jerseys of the nineties. I've seen some. Uh, uh, pictures of that of them potentially doing that at some point oh they're old school like blue and green jerseys which were at the time i think people were like yeah they're kind of ugly but now just because it's 20 years ago it would be pretty sweet so oh man bring them back those are amazing oh absolutely so yeah so when the warriors played the raptors in the nba final you were cheering for golden state i you know what i actually was but i was always saying that it, it's you know it's like the best case scenario for me so i'd always come out a winner it's like why wouldn't I want that, right? So um, I, I still say this to this day, but if Kevin Durant were healthy, like we would have swept. We would have swept the Raptors. So, you know, if that's a sacrifice that I have to make as a, as a fan there for uh, for the whole country there to, to get their championship, then so be it. Honestly, I'm, I'm happy with that. I mean, Raptors played a hell of a series there. And, uh, you know, again, I'm just saying if Durant were healthy, a healthy Clay Thompson, um, we would have just run the floor for sure. Wait a minute, you say they would have swept? Didn't Durant get injured in was it game three or four? Was it four? And then the, the series wasn't like a Golden State wasn't up like two nothing or whatever, whatever the game was. So they couldn't have swept. So you're saying they had Kevin Durant at the time, and yet they wouldn't have swept then because they were down. Yeah, but it's almost like I don't know, man. You got to look at the officiating. You've got to look at like the terrible calls that were made, like. You know, a part of me is still kind of living in the past there and wishing that we still had Durant and uh, a healthy Clay. But, I mean, maybe I think Spiro's going to kill me for this year, and I know he's probably listening, but <laughs> for sure, uh, for sure, six games Warriors. Not a sweep, but six games, I'll say that. I think so. I, I, I would tend to agree with that. That Especially when the Warriors won game five uh, and Toronto potentially could have won it with the Kyle Lowry three-pointer and he missed, and it was like, oh, you know, Toronto... If memory serves me right, I could be wrong. They were really bad to start that third quarter, Toronto. And it's like, oh, that was the time. That's when you had to put the da- you know, put the dagger in and they didn't do it. The Warriors are going back home for game six. Like, you know, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna prove why they're obviously the Warriors. Like I was convinced that the Raptors were gonna lose that. I was I was actually quite uh, surprised that Toronto was able to to prevail there in game six. Again, though, like best game scenario for a fan, like that was incredible for me. Like I you know, I, I kind of reveled in that uh, that championship too. You know, I bought like the replica, like championship ring, the hat, the T-shirt. Like, you know, honestly, yeah, that was an incredible, incredible win, and I'm really happy for them. Yeah, no, it was definitely cool, and hopefully Toronto can get their act together here a little bit in a, in a pretty weak bottom half of uh, the uh, of the top eight, anyway, of the Eastern Conference, and, and make uh, the playoffs. And we'll, you know, never know from there. You said NBA Jam that used to love playing that game. Again, amazing segue. I'm on freaking fire right now. Bang, I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> old school video games. 
Um, I don't know if you heard. I, I was uh, not telling you about this one, just in case you didn't hear. I'm so psyched for this to come out. I, uh, they haven't said when, when it's released yet, or uh, hopefully it's on PS4. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Have you heard about this? The, the, it's coming back, baby, in, in the old uh, arcade style. I didn't know. I, like, I know that you're a massive uh, Ninja Turtles fan with those... Uh, those incredible pajamas that you always come down to greet us with on our uh, annual trip there. But uh, I didn't know that it was coming back, but uh, I just remember playing that game as a kid and thinking that that was one of the hardest games I think I've ever played. Oh yeah. Turtles one is, is in my opinion, is actually pretty terrible. Like, yeah, that, that one is so <laughs> insanely impossible. You get in the, in the seaweed and stuff and you're like, you know, you're shocked. And <laughs> that game was horrible. Did you play the games after that though? The games after that, the three ones after that were amazing. I, I haven't played those other ones. I was more oh. like a Battletoads, uh, Battletoads uh, guy. I liked uh, Blades of Steel. Oh yes, of course. Uh, Blades of Mario. Steel. Yeah, classic. Just bump into each other and just fight. Right, that was the fight. best. Uh, no, yeah. So the, uh, the like I said, the first Turtles was awful because it was just way too impossible. There's actually a video on YouTube of a guy trying to beat it, and he was getting really, really frustrated, fr- frustrated and flustered with trying to do it. It's pretty funny until towards the end, it gets a little bit uh, dark, actually. But uh, no, the, the Turtles, uh, so yeah, it's the Turtles arcade game's amazing. Turtles, uh, that's for sure, regular Nintendo. Then the Manhattan Project, also for regular Nintendo, outstanding. Then the best one probably is for Super Nintendo. The only one they made for Super, to my knowledge, Turtles in Time, was just, oh my God, the game's an absolutely incredible, amazing game. And uh, yeah, there, so it sounds like this new game is going to come out very similar to those types of games. Because since that game, I feel maybe it's because I, I was older, but all the uh, Ninja Turtles games since then, they, they've been pretty much garbage. So then would you rather them make like almost like a PS5 kind of version or do you want almost like the, the old school kind of like nostalgic feel to those video games? Old school, definitely. And, and that's why I'm so psyched because this, this game they said is pretty much going to be an old school type game, which is just, uh, I'm so pumped for it. I don't, I'm not sure exactly when it comes out, but yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, so awesome. You said, obviously, you loved uh, Battletoads and Blades of Steel, those types of games. Uh, is there any yeah. others that you loved and, and would you, that, that you'd want to have, like, a reboot for? Uh, honestly, like, I kind of miss the old school, like, NHL kind of st- games for, uh, like, the, uh, the Genesis there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love those games, truly. I mean, like, yeah, I love playing, like, NHL 21, and, you know, it's fun and it's realistic, but there was something about being kind of Jeremy Roenick kind of just crossing across a crease and uh, just kind of cheating the way and... Uh, you kind of miss that. It brings back some good memories of playing video games as a kid. So I think nostalgia is so awesome and important. You know, it's it just seemed more cool and fun uh, those games back in the day. I actually haven't played so an NHL game in a, in a while. I just feel like somewhere along the way they've lost me the NHL games. They're just too sophisticated, too many buttons. But you okay? So you have a PS4, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have uh, what is it? A Super Nintendo or an N6 or Super regular Nintendo, Nintendo, regular Nintendo, X, regular Xbox, uh, yeah, a, a bunch of different, PS3, yeah. So do you go back to your old school systems to play, or do you kind of just like, you know what, like it's, I don't want to take them out of the closet, I kind of just want to leave them there, and you know, when I'm feeling like it, like maybe I will go play, but, or do you just kind of just play like the new systems and just kind of keep on to the, the old ones just for that, uh, again, nostalgic kind of feel? I have them out to, to be able to use them anytime I want, especially the, the, the Super Nintendo. Uh, as, as I mentioned, the Turtles in Time, I usually play once a year for like an hour and beat it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good for another year. Or, you know, uh, uh, Super Mario World, or th- those types of games. But I find, yeah, it's pretty much like once a year for any of that stuff. And it's pretty well just the PS4. And pretty much just Madden. I know Madden hasn't been very good the last few years, to be honest. It's, well, it is pretty much the exact same game every single season. 
but I still played that until uh, way too late hours of the morning or early morning to the next day. Um, yeah, I don't understand how uh, on uh, Xbox back in the day, ESPN 2K5, before when there was a competition to Madden. So yeah. 16 years ago, there was a trade engine in the game. So if you offered a deal to the computer and they said no, they would give you a counter offer, which was incredible for uh, the football <laughs> game. And they also had Chris Berman doing the halftime highlights, which was kind of cool. 16 years later, Madden doesn't have the, the trade engine uh, counter offer thing. It's like it seemed like the most easy thing to do. And it was done 16 years ago. So how have they not done it in, in the new Maddens? It's just absolutely craziness to me. What a cool feature, though. That would have been amazing. I wish they brought that back. Oh, so good. I've actually tweeted the uh, manu- uh, uh, creators, of, uh, and they've actually gotten back to me about, uh, about the Madden. And they're like, yeah, we've been thinking about this for a few years and blah, blah. What are you talking about? You've been thinking about this for a few years. Like, <laughs> like it's, a known, it's an obvious thing. They don't care about franchise mode because they get their money from uh, Madden Ultimate Team, which I, n- I never play. That's where they, you know, people p- uh, pay money to be able to get like packs to get better players and so on and so forth. So never they, understood that. No, exactly. Same thing for me. I'd never play any of that junk. So that's uh, so they don't care about franchise because to them they don't make any money off franchise, right? So I kind of get it, but it's like, oh, like, and, and I love football and I love the game, but it's I know it's not very good, and a lot of people have have drifted away from Madden, much like how I did with hockey. So it's like uh, they need to do something to spruce it up. It would be so much. It would be so good. Everyone would love it so much. But you're you're an NBA Live, not an NBA 2K fan, right? Uh, to be, I haven't really played NBA games in forever. I think I, I bought a uh, an NBA game a couple of years ago because it was like fifteen dollars or something. I'm like, oh, might as well. Yeah. But I think no, I think was it Live? I think Live. Someone people tell me is just incredible, like just amazing with uh, all the features and stuff for franchise. I think right. So for franchise, yeah, I think Live is is a really good one for like skills and kind of like the realistic play by play. I think 2K would probably be the better one, but um nba games again madden nhl fifa i mean they need to kind of get a little bit more creative yes absolutely this rests on their laurels well the madden game it's madden 21 and people uh showed that like in their screenshots that they had madden tarps from like madden 19 in the madden 21 game they didn't even try to make it seem like they, <laughs> they were just like it's just like oh come on man that's just so brutal i, ugh, I never understood that but yeah, I still we're do the suckers that pay for it. That's right. And I'm definitely in the, uh, I'm a sucker to, to do that. I always loved uh, Crash Bandicoot games. I don't know if you ever played those. Uh, I have. And loved they, it. They, I they think re- those just came out again. Yeah, they remastered the three games uh, a couple of years ago, and then they had the uh, the um, Crash Bandicoot, the newest one. They they came out with maybe half a year ago. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Oh, it's about uh, Crash. It's about time. There's so many levels okay. in that game. So, so good. Uh, did you ever play it for Super Nintendo back in the, uh, this uh, Bart Simpson's Nightmare? Uh, vaguely. I think I remember my next-door neighbor having it growing up, and uh, my mom just didn't want me to have that game, I think. So <laughs> I don't really remember too, too much, though, but I just uh, I would have loved to, believe me. Love The Simpsons, so. Yeah, well, it's definitely a show that – it's so funny. Like, my parents also didn't let me watch it back in the day. I'm, I'm sure it was maybe perhaps the same for you. And it's so funny looking back at that now, especially when you see shows like Family Guy and these, these types of shows. <laughs> when Bart Simpson says, don't have a cow, man, or he says, eat my shorts. In what world, <laughs> in what world is that considered bad television? Or like, like bad for kids, I mean. Like, it's just like, when you look back, it's like, that was nothing. Why, why, why were parents so freaked out about the show? It's so weird. Oh, man. Seriously, like, okay, so there is, like, this YouTube personality that, like, my son likes. And... 
he just, I don't know. He does all these like goofy things or whatever like that. And a part of me is like, yeah, like, you know, it's kind of funny, but at the same time though, I'm like, am I kind of turning into my own parents here? But I'm like, ah, turn that off. Like, don't watch that. So <laughs> who knows? Right. I hope not. But you know, Mrs. Panay, if you're listening, you raised a good kid. So <laughs> uh, I always wondered actually about, uh, cause I haven't seen the actual newer Simpsons. It's still going, of course, in pff, at least 15 years, probably maybe even longer than that. I always wonder the kids of today that watch the Simpsons now, they obviously wouldn't know unless they went back of, of course, the Simpsons from like our wheelhouse, uh, wheelhouse generation of like, you know, season six, eight, whatever. And we love those seasons. And, and we always, uh, would say, ah, oh, season one and two weren't very good. But to, to kids today that watch the new, uh, episodes of the Simpsons, do they, they must think it's pretty good because it's still in the air, but it's like, do you not know what was obviously way better way back in the day, or maybe it is good now. I honestly, I truly would love to know someone's opinion of someone who actually watches the Simpsons nowadays. I don't watch it nowadays, but I mean, I think like I loved Conan O'Brien and I think that he was a writer for the Simpsons at, at one point or another. And I think that that's when it was like in its heyday of like being like the best show. Right. And I don't know, like I, I, I don't watch the Simpsons anymore. I was more like, I don't know, afterwards I kind of like Futurama and now there's a new macaroni TV show on, uh, on uh, Netflix called disenchantment. And that's a really funny show. So, um, I mean, Obviously, he's creative and spit out good content, and maybe The Simpsons is good. I just, I don't know. I just, well, I'll try it. I guess. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I don't, I don't know. If anyone who's listening knows if The Simpsons nowadays is good, please let me know us know because I, I, I'm so, so genuinely curious. So, Disenchanted. That is that a that's like a a cartoon like uh, The Simpsons, or is that uh, like a regular show? It, it, it yes, no. So it's a it's a cartoony uh, show. It's on Netflix. Um, it takes place in kind of like this like Magic Kingdom. There is an elf, and then there is a demon, and uh, they're all working together to save the kingdom. And it's actually a pretty funny show. There's a lot of good one-liners in there. No, I, th- I think I've heard of it, but I didn't actually put, or I guess I wouldn't have been able to put two and two together because it wouldn't have been obvious that it was a um, that it was a cartoon. I have watched Big Mouth on uh, Netflix. Uh, that show is uh, very raunchy <laughs> and very very funny. Uh, have you seen that? I've I've seen the first episode. Uh, probably the first five minutes, I started dying into it. It was uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, no, you got to keep going with that. It's uh, <laughs> that show is exceptionally offside, and I love it so much. <laughs> uh, well, it's been awesome, Peter. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this question, though. Uh, yeah, this is this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I mentioned off the top, of course, you come down here uh, uh, for the tr- well, normally you would come down here with the boys for the Toronto trip uh, to watch Raptors games. Unfortunately, of course, hasn't been able to happen for a while. Uh, tell me your thoughts. I hope to God you loved it. Uh, your thoughts on, and I'm, I, it's slowly getting there, but people, a lot of people are still scared of them. Bidets. What are your thoughts on my bidet? It is the greatest thing of all time, but a lot of people are still scared of them. They're scared of your bidet. God, man, honestly, or, that's a game changer. That uh, is an absolute game changer. Honestly, like I, I kind of almost, that's one of the things I look forward to, I guess, from our guys trip, just going <laughs> to, to take a dump in your, uh, in your place there, knowing that I'm going to have like the cleanest ass afterwards. So yes. truly that was, uh, that's, that is, that's a game changer. Honestly, I, I, I've told my wife, I think we need to have one in every bathroom in the house. They're amazing. And when you don't have access to one, like whenever I go home to visit my parents, they don't have one. It's truly the most <laughs> rattling thing of all time. Not for, not for your run of the mill poops. I'm talking about like you're, you're grimy. You've had a few drinks maybe the night before. You've had McDonald's or maybe some pizza, some like really, really grimy stuff. You're, oh my God, that came out of me. That's when the bidet does its magic. It's the greatest thing, but so many people are so freaked out by them. 
So I'm like, are you kind of pouty though when you go over to your parents' house and you're but like, I can't believe these. Look at these peasants here. They don't even have a bidet in my in their house. What yes. are they doing? I've considered getting them a, uh, a one for Christmas, but I've always been too lazy to do so. But uh, actually, <laughs> I, I had a guest on a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, at Flow, and she was saying her brother has one. And she was saying she was going to let me know how it went when she used it. And she did use it. And she texted me and she said, yeah, it's okay, but it was really cold. And uh, I, I, I'm not going to get one myself. And I didn't really see it. It was, it was all right, but I, I don't see the fuss. And I'm like, you are such a moron, Flo. What are you thinking? It's the greatest thing. But for some reason, and, uh, a lot of people are just terrified. of It's water that cleans you better instead of having to use uh, toilet paper forever. I just not... Uh, I thank God my, to my buddy Mike Tumam Dewong for uh, you know leading me in the right path, of, uh, uh, right course of history for telling me about. But bidets Mike, have, you, have so you tried one of those old school bidets though before, like the ones that kind of look like a mini urinal? Because that's exactly what I thought one was when I went to my uh, my aunt's house in Greece. She had a bidet there, right? And uh, I actually thought that it was like a, a mini toilet, and I ended up just peeing in there and didn't realize it was uh, one that you actually sat on to uh, to clean yourself with. But uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm a huge fan. I think you've turned me on that. I think all the guys now that have been to uh, Toronto and visited your place, I think really, I think we're we're the bidet boys now. Honestly, that's great. <laughs> I haven't actually. Uh, that's a good question. I haven't actually used the old school ones because I'll admit as as well. Like, I wasn't like terrified of them, but when he mentioned it, I was like, I don't really know much about it to be honest. You know, I was like, I don't know. But the fact it was like thirty five, forty dollars on Amazon, I was like, okay, and it's just like a contraption to your toilet. It's not a, a massive setup or whatever. But like, if it was like you know four hundred dollars, of course I would have said no, obviously. But it was like thirty five, forty bucks. I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal, you know. And the amount of money I've saved not getting toilet paper is immeasurably insane. Like especially during the the start of the pandemic when everyone was hoarding toilet paper. I've got like I got like a, a roll of eight um, uh, toilet papers. Maybe like five months ago. Of course, I'm single. I, I live here alone, and I'm just done in the the eighth roll. I'm getting close to be, being finished that now. It's like. The amount of money I've saved on toilet paper. And Are you purely a bidet guy, Mike? A million, well, a million percent. You still have to drip dry afterwards. You can't like never use toilet paper. That would be kind of, kind of crazy. But yes, a hundred million percent. It's the greatest thing. Holy smoke! So I'm not a handy guy by any means, and I mean, me wanting to buy maybe like a fifty dollar bidet, like. Do I need a plumber to come and fix this for me, or is it something that I can fix on my own? Well, I'm going to be honest install. with you. I am the least handyman guy in the history of the world, so I would have no idea what to do. But my my, my buddy, Michael Tumon Duong, like I mentioned, came here. He installed it. That's his professional career, obviously. He's the greatest bidet installer in the history of the world. He's not, <laughs> but he should be. Uh, yeah, I actually don't know. <laughs> I have no idea how to install anything. I'm sure I would completely destroy it, but uh, it didn't take him that long. Uh, um, you know, it seemed like it's a worthwhile investment. To All right, man. I think you've sold me. I think uh, one for every room in the house. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, they're just the greatest thing. I, I love them so much. Well, uh, Peter, uh, this has been an absolute blast talking to you. This has been uh, absolutely phenomenal. We could literally keep going for about 17 more hours, but uh, you know, I feel like when, once podcasts go too long, everyone's just like, okay, I'm just tuning out. So uh, maybe we shouldn't do that. But uh, this has been awesome. Mike, make my voice sound nice. I always sound terrible on uh, on video there, but uh, honestly, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You got it, and I think everyone hates their own voice. I, I, I listen to mine often, and I'm like, oh god, that guy sounds like that. It's uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty common. Everyone hates their voice, but no, you've been you've been for awesome, sure. my friend. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. You too, Mike. All right, bye. Beautiful. That's freaking awesome, buddy. That was so freaking good. So good.
Uah. Yikes. That's, <laughs> that's happened a few different times on the podcast as a, you know, I'm sure loyal listeners will know that it's about a, almost about a 50, 50 proposition, whether, you know, you end the interview, you know, you wait a second and it's like, okay, I've waited that second. So there's no more, you know, just to have be able to clean edit for my, uh, editor Grant Nabesy Roberts, who's great. Uh, it's like, okay, leave the edit there, and it's going to be no problem. Then I figure, okay, I leave a second, then talk to the person and be like, hey, man, you know, great interview, or you know, what, it was awesome, duh, you're great, which Peter was, obviously. I expected him to stay on the line. No, he bounced right away. Ooh, that's, always, uh, that's always an awkward situation, which was absolutely hilarious. But no, he was, he was amazing. Uh, like, like I said, we could have kept talking for a long, long time there. It was so good. Uh, so fired up uh, about the Ninja Turtles game coming back. Like the games since Turtles in Time on, on Super Nintendo have been absolute trash. To at least the ones I played, they're just not quite the same. So excited for that to come out. That's still to be determined as to when that will be. And uh, like as I mentioned to Peter, I'm so excited that the the Montreal Canadiens are pretty much exactly uh, average. Hope that they, they continue to do that. Obviously, as a Maple Leaf fan, I don't want them to do to do very well. Uh, love talking about Dak Prescott. It is a very, it is a, it's a tricky thing. Obviously, you don't want to overpay a player of any uh, stature in the NFL, especially a quarterback making that much money. Uh, the deal, like I said, being a four-year, $160 million contract for Dak Prescott. But uh, uh, great hearing his thoughts on that and uh, just excited to have Peter on. And it's so, so funny. I'm going to message him after this and be like, oh, man, it's so funny that you hung up there because I really thought we were going to have a nice little chat after that. No bueno. Thank you for listening to episode 58 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.